Monday the 16th of October 2017. Once more it is the beginning of the week after an eventful weekend. The morning is mild and very unlike what one would expect in the way of weather for this time of year. The entire weekend was definitely shirt sleeve weather, as my grandmother would say. The weekend has been warm, sunny and unseasonal. We had a sudden fall of temperature around harvest festival time and then the leaves started to turn. Now there has begun a rise in temperature. It's very worrying. This kind of change can sometimes give the wrong signals to the animals and birds. They think that the spring has come and begin to breed too early and the young would probably not survive the winter. There are no signs yet of the hurricane that is coming towards us. This one this time is called Ophelia and apparently will hit the coast of Ireland with some ferocity. The people that live on that stretch of the Irish coast have been put on red alert and flood warnings. How terrifying that must be. Nobody can predict how the storm will affect them and what damage it will do. The pundits say that it is a bit of a weird storm as it has built up in an area out at sea where hurricanes usually go to die. I suppose that unless we make some big changes quickly on a global scale, we shall have to get used to these weather patterns. In the mornings before we start our school day, I like to go through the clips that I have saved from newspapers of the day before. If I have found anything appropriate for the children's education or anything of environmental interest, I cut the article out and keep it. Yesterday there was a piece reported on the red squirrels of Anglesey. We have a lot of grey squirrels in our garden. One in particular is very clever and innovative. We have called him Cyril Squirrel. He keeps us amused for hours with his attempts to get the bird seed and other food which we put out. If we hang out the coconut shells filled with seeds and fat along a string which we tie, washing line fashion from one pillar on the remarder to another, in the effort to protect the food from him, he will move along the string, hand over arm like a monkey. When he gets to the coconut, he lifts up his feet and wraps them around the shell while holding it still to eat its contents. Sometimes he just chews through the attachment and runs off with the whole thing. It must be easily his body weight. They are sweet creatures. It is such a shame that they are such bad copy and, are, and appear to be universally hated because they have caused the demise of our native squirrel. The little red squirrel, nutkin type, of our much-loved Beatrice Potter stories of my childhood and my children's childhood. And I do so hope I, of your children's childhood, my great-great-grandchildren. In my newspaper clips this morning, there was an article about the red squirrel who has been thriving on Anglesey. It has been one of the last British strongholds for these beleaguered creatures. It is squirrel pox, carried by the grey squirrel that has destroyed 95% of the red squirrels in England and Wales since 1952. The disease has never been seen on Anglesey before last week when a dead red squirrel with all the facial sores and signs of the disease was found. There are only about approximately 700 red squirrels on Anglesey and these are now at grave risk. About 60% of grey squirrels carry squirrel pox and they themselves are immune to the virus. 
grey squirrels were brought to Britain from America in 1876. There are still three other areas where the red squirrel continues to thrive. They can be seen in Scotland, Northumberland and some parts of Cumbria. This is just one example of how we humans have disrupted the natural order of things and what this can do to natural habitats. The introduction of the plant, the Japanese knotweed, another example, has become a real menace and is very difficult to eradicate. People have found it difficult to sell their homes if they have Japanese knotweed in their gardens. It can undermine foundations and cause a lot of damage. It is yet another example of man disturbing the natural order of things. After our first lessons, Marshal John T. Rosie and I went off to the River and Rome Museum. As I have mentioned before, we are studying the River Thames this term in our geography lessons. The weather was really mild when we reached the riverside. There was a weak sun straining to shine through a milky haze. We decided to look at Mr. McGregor's garden first. Mr. McGregor is a favourite character in the Peter Rabbit books written by Beatrix Potter. My children have always loved the stories and we still have all of them in pristine condition. Hopefully, they have been passed down to your children and they are enjoying them too. Mr McGregor is the Scottish tyrant whose garden Peter Rabbit regularly raids and narrowly misses being caught every time that he does this. The little garden has an old Thames lock set up. It has Mr McGregor's shed where Peter once got holed up escaping from the cat. He was eventually rescued by his uncle, his cousin Benjamin's father. Johnty and Rosie were delighted with all of this and Johnty was most disappointed that he could not see inside off the shed. It was locked. The little garden has several planting troughs where local schools are each set up a garden. There were runny beans still in evidence. Some of the gardens have science experiments going on with solar panels and there was an example of water conservation. A beehive and small pet cage was also there, but no occupants. In all, it was a good example of a balanced ecological experiment. It must have been a wonderful place to be for the children in the summer. I wish that we had known about it. We would have certainly visited. It was time to go into the museum itself. Once they knew that we were homeschoolers, the staff could not have been more helpful. We were given various sheets and plans and an email address to use next time that we planned a visit, which we certainly will. They said that, that we could then have more useful literature ready for us from their education department. The first thing that we did was to revisit the charming and delightful Wind in the Willows exhibition inspired by the book written by Kenneth Graham. We have read it many times and after revisiting it, a beautifully set out tableau in the exhibition, there were cries from the little ones to read it again. It is a book that I have found but never that one never gets tired of. This is all great nostalgic fun. But we had to move on to the data available on the River Thames, keeping our project in mind. There is so much in this museum, it became clear very quickly that there would have to be many more visits. It was a good start. We watched an audio, a visual audio, which took us rather too rapidly, but very interestingly, from the source of the Thames to London. We had to watch it several times to fully appreciate it. We looked at the work of the Thames Conservancy 
as we are going to be looking at the erosion of river banks. We got caught up in some rowing machines which the children simply had to try. Marshall was particularly good at it. I suggested that he might like to take up rowing. However, I think he had just read the schedule that rowers had to follow on a daily basis. There was no comment. Sadly, the morning had run out of time all too quickly and we had to leave. As we were meeting Auntie Rachel and Cynthia in the town at 12 o'clock, we were going to have a special treat and have lunch out. Auntie Rachel was treating us. Lovely Auntie Rachel. She always lets them have a naughty pudding. It was finally time to return home to continue schooling. This afternoon was piano lessons. Eagerly looked forward to by Jaunty, but was greeted like a dose of medicine by Rosie. I must find an instrument that she would prefer. She has already intimated that she would like to play a wind instrument like the trumpet or the trombone. If we can wait until next summer, she will be able to practice in the early stages away down in the secret garden. We have started learning carols. They need to be started now in order for them to be able to play with confidence by Christmas. Since I promised to write a warts and all account of our lives, I should tell you an amusing thing that happened this morning. I always get up very, very early to do my writing. This morning I felt inspired and had written about 500 words by the time that David left for work. He usually can reach the hospice in 10 minutes, just about the time that I imagined that he had arrived. I lost the work that I had done. I know that I had saved it. Therefore, although I confess that I am not very computer literate, David is. I phoned him quickly, knowing that he would have just reached the office. I rang and got through to a charming nurse and asked to speak to David. She asked me to wait as he wasn't answering the extension number. She would go to find him. A few minutes later, she, she came back and made hushed tones and said, he's fast asleep. What? I said. What sort of a job has he got? He can only just have reached work. He's the social worker. She immediately realised what had happened. She had two phones waiting for an answer and had picked up the wrong phone. We did have a laugh about it. I must say I almost believed her. He does enjoy a snooze sometimes. The day went well and finally, just after lunch, the wind began to blow. By supper time, it was very gusty indeed and looked as if it was going to be a noisy night.